the definition. Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost, knowing that God's promises will stand with you. An act of courage is likely to be painful. The pain may be physical or emotional, but to have courage will mean that it will hurt a little or a lot and will cost. As far as I can see uh, in a biblical context, that courage is part and parcel of being a Christian. We're called to be courageous Christians. We know that because Jesus promised that spreading the gospel would meet resistance. Therefore, when we meet that resistance, it will mean that we're going to have to have courage. Paul warned that the church might be attacked by savage wolves in Acts and Timothy. Therefore, we're going to need courage to overcome what Paul describes as savage wolves. Therefore, evangelism, discipleship, building the church, planting other churches will actually take an awful lot of courage to do it. But I want to just take it from perhaps the smallest thing to, I don't know, if you take the context of just praying, for some people, just to pray is going to take courage. For some people, to pray for the sick, it will take courage. It's the same courage. Not the, the, the thing they're doing is irrelevant. But what is in the heart is the thing that God's looking for. I'm going to have courage, I'm going to pray. I'm going to have courage, I'm going to pray for the sick. I believe that running away for us is not an option. (laughs) Which means that it's a little bit scary. Martin Luther put it like this. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at the moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ. However boldly I may may be professing Christ, where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere fight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. Where then shall we get this courage? I'd like us to consider some things before we get to the text. Here they are. That, it's sh- that courage is actually shot right the way through the Bible. For us to be forgiven and for us to live in righteousness will take courage. Because it says the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Meaning righteous living is going to take courage. Jesus said, didn't he, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. So if we're going to live as a forgiven people, then it's going to take courage. It's interesting that he didn't say, 
Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, you have been healed. He said, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. So it's going to take courage to do that. It's going to take courage to trust God and hope in him. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. That's Psalm uh, 31. So there's going to be some sort of thing that's going to come across us all. It's going to involve trusting in God. It's going to involve hoping in him. It's going to involve something that we can't see. And then it will be a call to courage. Being filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So we know where our source is going to come from, but we can also see the product of being filled with the Spirit. So one might take an assumption here that if we're not filled with the Spirit, you probably get the picture. So you can see there is a need for us to be filled with the Spirit. Knowing that the one with you is greater than the enemy. This is 2 Chronicles 32. Be strong and courageous, for the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us the Lord our God uh, will help us to fight our battles. Now we, we know that situation, don't we? We know the power of the arm of flesh. When the arm of flesh comes against us, how many of us have felt that sort of, I don't know, that sort of stomachy thing that you feel? But actually, the courageous thing that God wants to put on us is that, that we know that that is an arm of flesh. Just linked with that, being sure that God is sovereign over all the battles. Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of the people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Now sometimes it looks like that the battle is not going our way. If I had to make an assessment for, in, in regard to my leadership this year, I would say, just an honest assessment, is the battle, I felt the battle hasn't gone my way. So an honest assessment, Nigel, is what are you going to do about that? What I'm going to do is that I'm going to give up and go back to Ridgely. No. I'm going to believe that, that God is sovereign over all the battles, and we're going to keep going because God is sovereign. And I'm going to do that by being courageous. Now, is that going to be easy for me? No. Little mouse. Church mouse. No. But I've got to look at those battles and say, no, God is sovereign. The church will grow. We will go on and plant churches. No, this is what the Lord said. We're going to need to pray because that will bring us courage. Through prayer, on the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. I know there's quite a few people that, you know, perhaps in the church don't come to prayer meetings. 
for whatever reason. I can say in our church we have some people that are what I call one Sunday, mon- one Sunday attenders. And then you will get a crisis. And then you will get a phone call. And here's the interesting thing, that when the body are called to pray, on the day I called, you answered me, you made me bold. Now you can pray that as an individual, but when there's a corporate sense of people praying with you, standing with you, then you get a different sense of courage. You can find that in Ephesians 6, 19, 20, it tells us to to pray in the Spirit at all times. There is the example of others. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, Most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word without fear. That, to me, is really a bit of a strange thing, isn't it? There's Paul, he's in prison, but the effect of Paul is that the Philippians receive courage. Let me ask you, what is the effect of you as a personality on the people that you are with? Do you give them a sense of courage or fear? When, what you say to them, how you help with them, how you are in regard to vision and perhaps in the small group setting, is it, does it go down or does it go up? The example of others can give people real quality courage to help them through. And finally, God's promise to be with you. This is where we're going to go. Have I not commanded you? Yes, Nigel. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, which is why that you've got your finger in Joshua. When I read Joshua chapter 1, I have to take myself out of the the reading it as if you were reading it on sort of your Bible study notes or, or theology or, or reading it as if you were in uh, some sort of Bible college. Because it needs to be read in a very emotional context so that you can understand the courage that Joshua required. Moses, the guy that he had followed for all his life, is dead. He is dead because he disobeyed God. What? Not only is my mate dead, not as my, my person that I follow dead, but he's dead because he disobeyed God. Now, and God says to him, now you do this. And you think, come on. So the commission for Joshua to carry on is huge, isn't it? I've got to follow not only Moses's footsteps but I've not got to make these mistakes now I don't know whether you're like me but I usually see the mistakes first it's the way that I operate so I'm well I'm, I try and you know look that sort of, so you can see the emotional context so what God does is that he comes to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and he gives him an exposition and a sort of like a, a, a talking to in regard to courage. And I think this is the best one that you can find in the Bible about courage. 
But I also believe it's not for the faint-hearted. Because I think if we actually did Joshua chapter 1, we could transform a town, a city, a nation, a world. It's as if God reaches out to Joshua, doesn't it? And he sort of grabs him by the lapels into leading these people. And sometimes God needs to grab us by the lapels. Sometimes we need to say to God, look, look, look Lord, don't mollycoddle me. <laughs> because when I'm mollycoddled, I'm not actually hearing what God is saying. Because that's, what, you know, that's the, the way that we'd like. What we'd like is that we sit down on this Heavenly Father's knee and he strokes the back of our head and he rubs our back and he says to us, now lead these people into the promised land. And actually, it doesn't work, does it? Because actually, we just feel good. But it doesn't change us. That's why what God does here is he gets Joshua by the lapels. And he says, right, come on. This is what I'm going to do. So we can see that in Joshua chapter 1. So if you've got it open with your Bible, we'll just look at it very briefly. So how does courage work for Joshua? It seems that it works because the courage is, it rests on a clear call from God. You can see that in verses 1 to 4. Moses, the man of God, had died, but nothing of God had died. Nothing of God had died. God hadn't died. Moses had died. And he gave Joshua the call. And it's interesting, the call is exactly the same thing that he asked Moses to do. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, I want, now I want you to do that. Oh, okay. It's often because what we think that, that God isn't of need of sort of a worthy man to do his call. He makes men worthy to do that call. He doesn't look for a worthy man. There's one, Tim Harmon. Okay, you do it, Tim. He makes men worthy. He took Joshua by the lapels and said, Joshua, I will make you worthy to do this job. Therefore, I don't think we should fear. Well, you know, well, what happens if we haven't got this leader or that leader? Or what if we haven't got this? No, we shouldn't fear the loss of any folk, really. People. Because God isn't fearful of losing people. Because God has a calling and a cause which he will fulfill. So the questions are really, what are the things that God has prepared for you to do? When did you last reassess God's call on your life? What are those things that God has given you a passion for? How do I do them? You will do them when your courage rises to match the confidence in the call. Here's the things. If you take a prophetic word, how do I do that prophetic word? Let's just use this as an example. Well, one thing is that I sit. 
Now I wait for the day that the prophetic word falls out of the sky, hits me on the lap, and then tomorrow I wake up looking something like the angel Gabriel and change the world. Or I move step by step by, cha- by planning, thinking, changing my whole life towards what God has said. Which is what Joshua had to do. So the call gave him the courage to do it. Courage rests upon the assurance of God's presence. God never calls us to do anything on our own. Never. Why do we think that he does? I'm just sending you into Sainsbury's with 50 tracks. And you say those, you're on your own then. Why is that? Why do we think that we are on our own? Well, we've got this mighty person, this great, magnificent person that is humanistic and they can argue and this sort of stuff and you think, who am I? Hold on. We have got the armies of God. It's the sort of, we are actually that David and Goliath thing wherever we go. Who are the armies of God that they should come against us? We need to get our mind in perspective to those sort of things. Every call that God gives to us, his presence is with us for that call. But not only that, it also means that that call is the process of us becoming more like him. So if we, if we then get stuck and say, well, I feel God's called me to do this, but when I do that, that hurts, that's a little bit painful, I failed here, and God's saying, yeah, that's right. That's the idea. Not only is my presence going with you, but you are being more sanctified. How do you think Joshua was growing? Well, he grew more when he followed the call than he did when he was Moses' little sort of right-hand man. Because that's it. And some of us will get hurt and some of us will get burnt out because we separate sanctification from call. We sort of think, well, when I'm sanctified, I will have the call. Or when I'm called, I will wait and do this. No, the call and the sanctification go with us because that's what God wants us to do. And he wants to say, look, I am with you. Now you go and do it and the courage will come. It's that sort of way and you will become more like me in doing it. You are not allowed, because I know that to, to, uh, to contact King's Church Lewis to find out some of the tapes that I preached. It's uh, just a blanket ban. But if you do, if you will do, you will probably find heresy, mistake, error. St- well, probably just about like it is now, really. But <laughs> and I'm sure it was the same when, when David and when Bill was in similar situations the call sanctifies us. I, I think that I'm probably more scared but better than I was. The very thing that God, is use, that God is using to draw us to himself is his calling upon us. His calling is a statement of his presence and his calling is a statement of sanctification. This is a guy called Philip Brooks. Philip Brooks said this, don't ask for tasks equal to your powers, 
Ask for the powers equal to your tasks. So you can't get sanctified by waiting. Courage will rest upon a focused determination. Three times God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. The reason is that God actually has got a speech impediment and stutters quite badly. But it's just that you and I don't know that because we haven't talked to him much. That lightning's on my head. But the truth is that he repeats himself because he intended to repeat himself. Because what he knows is this, is that we can be people that pick up things from the Lord and when we have an obstacle, we put it back down again. Well, I was called to do that and it didn't work. And then 35 years later, I was called to do that and it didn't run, I put it back up. So God says to Moses, so Joshua, Joshua, be strong and God courageous. And Joshua goes, hmm. And then a little bit later he says it again and again. Because he knows that he's going to need to keep saying that time and time again. Joshua, don't put it down. Be strong. Be courageous. Joshua, don't put it down. Be strong. Be courageous. We are not going to achieve anything without a determination and a resolve to do it. And it's interesting that the, the tense, the Hebrew tense, in the be strong and courageous that is used here is almost like this. If I, Joshua, if you act courageously, you will get more courage. So his courage was growing in him when he was coming to that point and going, oh no, I'd just rather just hand it in. Now Joshua, go on. So he, he says, no, okay, I'll do it. And, and courage grows. And then of course the obstacle gets bigger, doesn't it? And then he says, oh no. And he says, come on, do it again. And, and he goes through again. The obstacle gets even bigger. And, and courage, what he doesn't realise is that courage is growing. So what somebody wrote... I didn't write this, this is not original. It says this, God is with you, but he'll only strengthen you when you raise your leg and put it forward. He can't steer a parked car and the wind will only blow when you decide to put up the sail. Courage is anchored by the word of God. Success and failure in regard to mission and ministry is tied up to our relationship with truth. If we neglect the Bible and we neglect the the reading of it and the understanding of it, then as soon as something happens, we will be handing it in and handing it over. Because here's what the Bible says, be strong and of good courage. Well, just can you have that back? Hold on, what does the Bible say? Can you imagine that if I just took that line? Okay, I don't, I don't do that any longer. Tough, be strong, but it's... Well, you're a nasty person. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, still nasty person. And actually, what that becomes is that becomes personal to me. Because what happens is you say that Andrew does something, and then, uh, then I have... And, uh, and Andrew thinks, he's a really horrible person. But if Andrew knew the Scripture... 
it, do, it becomes less personal, doesn't it? And here Joshua is confronted with this. He says, Joshua, to be able to do what you need to do and not make the mistakes that Moses made and lead these people into the promised land, do not let it depart from your mouth. You need to know it. How well do you know scripture? How well do you know it? Not only do you need to know it, but you need to meditate on it day and night. That's not a word for you, Tim Harmon, because I read your Facebook account. And if you are not going to sleep and you're going to go out for a walk, you should not take pictures in the middle of the night. But you should take your Bible with you and read it as you go. This is one of the problems of Facebook. You confessed, and this is why you did not sleep, because you were not meditating on it day and night. You went out with a camera, and a camera will not help you. The Word of God will. That'll teach you to not to do that, to go on Facebook. It says, oh, the other thing, it says, thirdly, because Joshua doesn't get it, he said, thirdly, do all that is written in it. Where do our problems come from? They come from doing things that are not written into it. Just be careful, Silas, I've also read your page as well. <laughs> you see, Pete, you thought you was getting me as a friend, but... But you have got me as a pastor. <laughs> now you need to unhook me and I will ignore it. That'll teach people to sign me up as friends. But here it comes, look. Three things, look. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day, day and night. Here's the other one. Do what is written in it. Isn't that just simple? What are the most of the problems that we have caused? They're caused by not doing what is written. And then you'll find, therefore, therefore, if you don't do all those things and you reverse the opposite of courage, absence of truth will only cultivate fear. That's how that works. So take that out, you get a fearful people. Put that in, you get a courageous people. I want to just talk about my dad. I don't know whether you've ever had that... That I'm just looking at the, the, some of the congregation, but I, what happens with my, my dad is that we used to come to what I call the tough decision where dad comes and sits on the bed. And you know it's a tough decision because your mum hasn't come, but your dad's come. And he used to, and so, and it was always one of those things, and he would used to say to me this, he said, lad, he said, are you going to walk away from this or are you going to walk into it? And, and I used to think, oh... Why did dad say those sort of things? And he used to say to me, this is the best thing that you can do. Walk into it. Just walk into it. We've said that sort of thing when you go to a school or a university or whatever, Andrew. Are you ready? Because at some point you'll go to sixth form college, yes? It won't be your mum and dad. How will you do this as a Christian? Well, if I don't say anything for a little while and just get used to the environment... And see how it goes and feel it a little bit. It might go all right and in my favour. And my friends on Facebook might increase. Because I've checked yours as well. <laughs> so, or you do what my dad used to say. And did I hate him for it? But was he right? Of course he was. Lad, walk into it. Walk into it with courage. Because when you do, it is much easier than doing it without courage. 
Nehemiah said the same, chapter 6, verse 11. He said, should a man like me run away, or should one like me go into the temple and save his life? I will not go. I will not run away. You think, ooh, okay. Nehemiah was scary, wasn't it? There will be a point when you, that you know where a certain situation requires courage. You know that the easy way out is to not go there. You know what the easy way out is. You know that if you go there, you will feel fear. And you also know what the word of God says. And you also know what Nigel would say. And you get to that point, now what will I do? Now what will I do? And there is a now what will I do situation almost every day, isn't there? Now what will I do? Now what will I do? Now what will I do? And as I've said, it can be very small. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the sick. But we know that the courage that is coming to us is actually the courage of Jesus. It is not a courage of man. It is supernatural. That's why it says, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were filled with spirit. They spoke with bold. It's the spirit of Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, you look and you think, this is the, this is the person that took on human form. That needs courage. To feel everything that a human would feel, that needs courage. This, this is the one that was in heaven that had felt no sin and not, and not even understood sin in the same way that we do it, and then suddenly he's having to face temptation. That takes courage when you are the son of God. Can you imagine, I know this is a theological minefield, but we'll just go there and go, can you imagine if the son of man had fallen into temptation and not had courage? We won't go there. Can you imagine the courage to face Romans in the day that he was in? To, to, to live as he lived in an occupied land. Can you imagine how he, what he would need with the religious leaders who were slandering him, talking to him and, and setting him up when he was the person that had given those religious leaders life itself. That took courage. To face rejection, that takes courage. To face mockery, that takes courage. To obey the Father every time. Remember, not my will, but yours be done. But can I have a break? You know, because that's what you, can I just have a break? No, not my will, but yours be done. The courage to do that is extraordinary. Every time he obeyed the Father. How do you do, Every time? Just don't ask. How about the courage to endure the cross? How about Gethsemane? And before Pilate? 
and before the religious leaders and the cross itself. It takes courage, doesn't it? We need not to be stopped. Oh, he died well. That's why I don't like the strict Baptists, really, for telling me that he died well. Man, look what this guy was facing. He didn't stick his chin up and say, bring it on. Whip me more. There was none of that. Everything hurt. Everything was painful. Everything was emotional. Everything was physical. Everything that came to him was an onslaught. He had to come and know the resource of his Father and the Holy Spirit and to stand in courage and be kissed on the cheek. Oh. He has stood with his church. When the church haven't stood with him, that takes courage. Oh, not return this time. Stuff them. Blow them. How many times will the church mess up my work? Just don't want to do it. And it will take courage again to return. What to do to wrap up this world? That's going to take courage. Can't you give us just another five minutes? Ooh, if you know, in a little half an hour here, we can sort one or two things out. It's going to take courage to say, no, this is it. When I come, this will be, I'm going to wrap this up like a garment. I'm going to take my people to be with me. Those, no, that's going to take an enormous amount of courage to do that. Because we'll be excited, well, you know, can you do it a little bit differently? I said earlier that courage may vary. It may be needed by some for the smallest thing or for the thing that you've never done before. But if we're to build anything, we're going to have to do it with courage. So let me finish with this text. And I want to change it. I want to argue with the theologians. And then I'm going to run. Okay? And I'll know whether I'm doing all right because, Tim, because Phil Harmon will smile at me out of the corner of his mouth. Can you do that? Let me try and explain this. Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and, se- six and 7, 6 and 7s. <laughs> I'm nervous already. says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. This is my final point. So the question that I want to ask, and I've been, I think that I've been guilty of perhaps rewriting this a little bit wrongly, is this. I'm looking at Bill now. Please don't look at me, Bill. It's disconcerting. <laughs> what is the gift in verse 6 that Timothy is to rekindle? That's the question. The gift of verse 6 is not the Holy Spirit, I would like to suggest but a special enabling or empowering of the Spirit for something that he needed to do for ministry. And I want to suggest that the specific form that Paul has in view here when he urges Timothy to rekindle his gift is courage and boldness. And the obstacle that is in Timothy's way is timidity. So the gift which is flickering in Timothy's life 
is the gift of courage. If you read it in context, it's making you scribble down, isn't it? Often that is interpreted as this. But if you read it, if you stop, as the fun into flame, the Holy Spirit. But if you read it, for this reason I remind you to fun into flame, the gift of God which, which is in you through the laying of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power. And here it is. I want you to fan into flame the thing that God gave you. Because, God's, because you're behaving like this. You're behaving with timidity. Now I don't mean to think that if you leave this place tonight, the gift of courage through the laying on and hands will need no rekindling later. Because that's what Timothy was struggling with. The lamp, as it were, of spiritual courage threatens to go out all the time. Why? Because we're having to face daily things that will require courage. The lump of spiritual courage, I believe, threatens to go out again and again. Just because of life. Our oil runs low, our lump flickers, doubt and discouragement come. Battles are costly. So the flame continues to burn bright by us guarding it and rekindling it. And spiritual endeavours for God can be snuffed out through our inattention to it. Therefore we need to pay attention to our flames. And I think he doesn't give an end to it. It seems to imply that we need to do that from now until the return of Christ. And guard something that God has put into our hearts. I want to ask you one question in conclusion. I haven't put it on there. Ask yourself one question. Where do I need godly courage? It's going to be different in the room. Where do I need godly courage? Ask yourself another question. Am I going to be someone who is strong and of good courage? Biblically defined. Does that biblically define me? Maybe you've said something that is to you thinks, well, this is just a small thing. Let me just say to, to, to you, it's not. And if you're comparing it to somebody else, please don't. Because to have courage for what you have got in front of you is huge. And I don't want to dishonour you. And for some people, it needs to be courage to go back to the things that they're, maybe that they've got their fingers burnt. I can know, I know a little bit about that. It's that whole thing about your dad, isn't it, again? Okay, we're going to put you back on the bike again. Put me knees up. I hate the bike. I liked it when it was shiny. Now it's got the scrape up in the toes. We're doing it without stabilizers. So some of you are going to have to do that. 
For some of you, you've, you know what you should do. And you've just never won this battle. I've got a call, but I've never fulfilled it. Because I've never stood in courage and battled it through to the other side. The job that I happen to do, you meet lots of people that tell you the call of God. And then they live as if it was something that will happen one day out of the sky. You're going to have to have courage to do it. Maybe today is that day of courage. For some of you, it's just having the courage to do it again. (laughs) And do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And for others, it's to step up the mark. You see, courage is just different for the situation that you're in. So let's ask God for some courage. Please stand. Father, we um, have a big year in front of us, both as individuals and uh, corporately as Gateway Church, Wrexham. And uh, we're going to need courage to keep our eyes fixed firmly on you. To fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I want to pray for every person here. And Lord, I want to ask you right now that you would show them the area of courage that they need. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask you right now that you would come and fill them again. Lord, your word says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come amongst us? We need you. (laughs) And help us to be strong and courageous. Would you give us victories with our courage and not stories of failure? Give us victories. Father, I want to pray for everyone. Would you give every one of us a victory of your courage this week? But we were strong and we saw you come, just as your word has said. So Father, we just ask you that we might be a Joshua generation, that we might be strong and very courageous for your kingdom's sake. Amen.